from Migration Media, this is Migratory Patterns. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Born and raised on Russia's fishtail island of Sakhalin, Margarita Lukovenko got her first taste of foreign culture when she went to Malaysia as part of an exchange program at 16. Except for her final year of high school, she's been a migrant ever since. First as a student in far-off and practically foreign Moscow, and then as an educator and entrepreneur in China. As we discover in our conversation, this constant living outside her place of origin has caused her to ask fundamental questions about her identity. It's something that happens to many of us, but we rarely talk about it in such an open manner. Leave it to a Russian to state bluntly what the rest of us only hint at. I really enjoyed my chat with Margarita. She's very introspective, and luckily for us, open, and her thoughts on what it's like to be Russian outside of Russia, as well as a newlywed, is particularly illuminating. Her work in the education space as a purveyor of professional development tools for teachers is very exciting given the rapid growth of the youth migrant population. Teachers are often in short supply overseas, and with the number of expats continuing to grow, it's an area that needs lots of really smart, capable people working in it. I'm glad that Margarita's in the thick of it, and I'm glad she took time to sit down with me. I think that you will be too. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Margarita Lukovenko. Margarita Lukovenko, welcome to Migratory Patterns. Thank you. Where is home? Home is where your heart is. There you go. Anything beyond the platitude? Home is basically a place you create yourself. And it doesn't matter what surrounds you or what language you speak in wherever you are. It's the place where you do what you love, where you have whatever makes you happy, and where you just feel like that's the place where you should be right now. Awesome. That's home. So where are you from originally? Originally, I'm from Sakhalin Island in Russia. Sakhalin Island in Russia. Yes. Now, if my geography serves me, is that one of the islands that's like sticking out way in the Pacific, shooting way down from the, like, Pointing towards That's such Japan. An American definition. Shooting, shooting way down, shooting down <laughs> to Japan. Towards Japan. Is that like the bit that hangs down towards Japan? Is that where it is? Yes. Yeah, so oh. We call it a fish. So you... we don't call it shoot down. <laughs> <laughs> we have a tail on the island, oh, like okay. in the bottom of the island. Okay. And that's where my hometown is, on wow. that very tail. So wow. yes, Not a lot of people down there, right? Uh, not a lot, but quite enough. Okay. Mostly bears, but... Mostly too. bears. <laughs> That's a lot of Russia, mostly bears. That's what most people think. Yeah. So, were there a lot of Japanese down there? I know no. when you get to the south end, there's some there's some Japanese crossover there. Yes, the island was by... It was owned, basically, by Japanese for like 50 years. Uh, but then it was Russian, and we never really had Japanese people living there. There were just a few. You don't you don't notice them a lot, but we did have a lot of Koreans. Oh, Koreans! Yes, I'm only asking because I'm wondering if it was like a multicultural yes, type so of area. I see where you're going, yeah. and yes, it was because there were. I don't know the percentage, but by my feelings, uh, as I was growing up, maybe ten percent. 15% of Koreans on the island. So my friends were Koreans, Russians, but even Russians, you know, they... Very everybody, diverse. Yes, yeah. everybody who ended up on the island, they were from all over USSR. So my dad was from Ukraine, my mom from Russia. There were a lot of people from, from Belarus, from Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, anywhere. Mm. So it was a very multicultural environment, which I did not, I was not really aware of up till 
I, I started to travel around. So what brought you, well, what inspired you to leave this island, this place? What, what was the impetus to make you go? It's a good question because I always had a feeling I should go. Why do you think that uh, is? Because maybe because it was an island okay. in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> in the end of the world, as we call it, you know, at the very end, there is nothing really around. And to get anywhere, you need to take a flight, uh, unless it's Japan, of course. And Japan how big, was... How big is the island? It's not very big? It's quite big. Oh, it's big. It's, yeah, almost the length of Japan. Oh, wow. But the width is, is right, much, it's much thinner. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinner, okay. yeah. So the majority of population lives in the south of the island, the southern part. So, yes, traveling was always something that every person who came to the island, initially not from the island, like my parents, every person would do it almost every year. So my grandparents, they were all in the mainland, as we call it. And all my friends would travel somewhere for summer. So there was a kind of a culture of traveling around USSR, Russia. It's almost like a migrant population. Yes, it is. Wow. It was. And the reason why my parents went there is also for a better job, for better um, opportunities. And it was closer to Japan and Korea where you could go sailing, you know. All those things were quite attractive in the USSR time. So... I, maybe that's where my desire to travel came from initially, hey, growing up in a sailor's town. Um, and then when I was 16, I went to Malaysia. Malaysia? On an exchange program. We are a Rotary International Organization. Oh, sure, Rotary. They, they have a youth exchange program. And when I was, I think, around 13, 14, my mom just asked me, would you like to go for a year to another country and live with the host families? And I said, yes, of course. Um, I had been studying English by the time. I didn't speak it yet, but I loved it. So why not? And that's how it happened. So you went to Malaysia for a year? Yes, for one year. And that was during high school? Yeah. So where did you go to university? Was that outside your home region? Yeah, it was in Moscow. Oh, you went to Moscow? Yeah. Wow, that's a big change. <laughs> what was yeah. that like? Hectic. Yeah. Interesting. A lot of things were happening in terms of where to go, what to see, what to learn. So I'm I, I'm I'm pressing just a little bit on this because mm -hmm. I'm familiar with Moscow because oh, I've yeah. been I've been a few times and I know that it is not representative of Russia. I know it it's is not. kind of its own thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of wondering what the impression is of a small town girl mm -hmm. flying from thirteen time zones away on the <laughs> other side of the planet, but the same country, over to Moscow. Like what what is that? Is it like Crazy culture shock? Were you treated well? What was it like? I had a crazy culture shock when I went to Malaysia. Okay. Oh, that, well, so you were used to the culture so, shock. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took me one year to yeah. get used to it and not want to leave. Yeah. Uh, and I had to leave. And the older people I met in Malaysia from all the um, ethnic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, uh, whatever, different backgrounds in all aspects of life, it was amazing. So when I went to Moscow... It was impressive in terms of the size of the city, um, the university, you know, I was going to university there, so that was interesting, but it was not impressive in terms of diversity so much for me. So it was much more interesting than staying in my hometown and going to university there, which would be to study Japanese. In Moscow, I would go to study something like French, which I did. Something more diverse, not really connected to where I grew up. So that was interesting for me to learn 
new cultures through the, the means of my major to learn new things just because I'm in a new city, which is not really a representation of Russia either. And it was at times not really nice because people are different and it's a big city and majority of people I met did not have any idea where Sakhalin Island is, which again... Did you tell them it's the Hawaii of Russia? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, if I thought so, I, would, I might have told so. <laughs> We say in cycling that summer is the best day of the year. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> the Russian proverbs mm. are, are great. Russian sayings yeah. are great. <laughs> so how long were you in Moscow for? Four years. Four years for university. Mm -hmm. And then where did you go after that? And then I came to China. To China right away? Not exactly right away. Right after graduation, because I, I actually started to work um, on the second year of university, just because I was studying in a pedagogical university, so that's teaching, and I decided to apply whatever I was learning right away. There were a lot of opportunities for students, and I started to like it. So I was teaching already for three years, developing a lot of interesting things for myself. I didn't see myself in teaching in particular, but I also didn't see myself in the corporate world. So upon graduation, I decided to make something of my own, And actually, with the help of my sister, who was in the corporate world at the time, I decided to open an online school. So I had already some friends around the world who were native speakers, professional teachers. And I knew that's what Russian young professionals like myself at the time needed, especially those who were, who work in the corporate world. And I had been teaching business English and big companies like whatever, Megaphone or the banks. You know, it was very interesting. So I had a plan to develop this online school and bring it into corporate uh, world. Of course, it was a very ambitious plan for a freshly graduated student. I was going to say, that's, that's quite... Uh... <laughs> who has never made a website by herself before. And that was actually my only expense. I had someone to do it. <laughs> But that's probably I, a smart decision yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally and I had a team of amazing teachers um, the best ones I got were from actually Texas was it Texas? yes I think it was Texas a woman from Texas and a guy from the UK and they started to work and I started to get clients quite easily for them And that was my uh, plan to develop it to a certain point and bring it into corporate together in cooperation with some companies who were already uh, providing teachers, but Russian teachers of English to the corporate world. Um, and then in about five months of doing all that, I had a trip to Malaysia for my friend's wedding that had been pre-planned for uh, maybe a year in advance. And I got my tickets in a way that I would stop by in Shanghai for five days, oh, just nice. because I had never been to Shanghai. I had been to Shenyang before, but not Shanghai. And I wanted to check it out, and I came to Shanghai for five days, and it's been six years since then. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it happens. Yeah. The, the, as my friend says, the dragon sticks its claws into you <laughs> and doesn't let go. It does. Yeah. 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 So uh, you landed in Shanghai, and did you get immediately involved in education? Because I had the online language school, it helped me to connect with the people who were doing some education stuff, some entrepre entrepreneurial business ideas. It was at the time, six, over six years ago, when um, 
Couchsurfing was very popular. Oh, I remember those days. Yes, and that was amazing because that might be how we met. I'm trying to remember because I came down. It was a. I think you had just arrived, or you were new here. So I think we might have met through couchsurfing,、really? through like an event or a connection. There was yeah, something yeah. happening. I think、so、that's how we met. One of the first events I went to was in Luziazue. It was. That、uh, might be where we met. Okay.、It、might be where we met. Um. So that's where I met two of the people who became friends up till now. Um, that I remember for sure, <laughs> and one of them was actually uh, uh, running kind of trainings and events and this kind of entrepreneurial spirit community.、Um, that hooked me up right away. That it was, whereas in Moscow when I made my website and I sent it to some people around me. Um, asking what do you think about it and what do you think of the idea, and they were like, "Yeah, it's fine." And here I was like, "Yeah, you're running an online language school. Let's do something together. How about this idea? How about that? You know, let's let's create an event so more people know about it." I was like, "This is totally different. This is why I want to develop my project, even if it doesn't get developed here. I want to stay here." This is how China seduces people. You come、yes. here and you just realize everything moves fast. Everyone is like, "Oh, you have a great idea. Let's just do that together and make、yeah. it happen tomorrow." Yes, it's very fast. Yes, and that's what China is all about,、yeah. right? That's why it's where it is now. And yeah, that's how I、um, basically stayed in Shanghai and started my anything that got developed later on. Started right there、okay. at the couchsurfing meeting, meeting with the people who were already doing something. Amazing, like this, you know,、mm. recording <laughs> all of a sudden in the middle of Shanghai, making a podcast. Yeah, well,、um, I love being in China. Obviously, anyone who listens to this knows, and I try not to sing its praises too much because my guests do it enough, especially ones who live here. <laughs> But I, I'm always inspired when I meet people like you, like other guests I have, like friends or just people I meet on the street who are. Creating and trying to change the world, and it, it's it's something that's hard to describe to people who don't live overseas. When you encounter a community of people who are also living overseas, there is just this automatic openness to possibility and connection, and it's 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 almost like intoxicating because.、Mm-hmm. Even if you're not entrepreneurial, even if you're not looking to start your own business, everyone is interested, at least in the initial stages, because oh, here's a new person.、Yes. Let me see what they're all about, and you, the the excitement that you have over what you're doing will infect them.、Yep. And you know, even if they're not interested, they're not an entrepreneur. They still are interested enough to hear and and be excited for you. Well, that's great,、yeah. you know, because everyone's、yeah. got that thing. Because we are、on. kind of all in the same situation. That's right. No. We are not at home, but we are kind of creating our own home. Right. Yeah. So let me back up a little bit. You lived in your hometown, your home island, until you were about sixteen. Then you went away for a year. You came back for, I would assume, another year, and then you left、mm-hmm. for Moscow, and you haven't been back since. Yes. So, do you feel like what is that? What is the difference between you and the people who are back home? Back at where you came from, it's a tricky question. Yeah, could you ever go back there? I have been actually back not to visit with the projects. Okay, so I did try to、um, bring back 
some of the things because I, you know, when you're just studying in a, in a university, you tend to go home quite often. Once I graduated and moved to Shanghai, I kind of had that habit still to go back, you know, once a year. That's quite often for me, of course, once a year or so. And at some point I realized that everything that I'm doing in Shanghai is, it's amazing and everything that people are doing, but it's nothing is happening in my hometown from what I see. So when you get to Sakhalin Island, you go to my hometown or even the capital, you don't see a meetup group, you know, inviting you to join a board game. There's no accelerator and incubator? Uh, No. (laughs) Imagine. Come on. (laughs) So... Right now, of course, there are more and more things, but that was like maybe four years ago that I said, why not bring some sharings? And I went there and I organized some meetings in in a very creative space that was interesting. But the reaction from people was still different as compared to Shanghai, because those people live in the place where they grew up, most of them at least. Um, They are in their comfort zone and... In Shanghai, it's totally the opposite. So that was a big differentiator for me. And I realized that it's just not that easy even for me to run those kind of events in my hometown because of that. Um, It was, of course, my thing to improve. (laughs) And I did not go back so often um, anyway. So I did not continue that, even though I thought it might be a good chance so that's interesting. So you kind of initially, it sounds like you felt that what you're, you were recognizing you were gaining stuff or you were open up to stuff and you said, oh, this is great. I need to bring this back to my home. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. That's, but, but then you that's couldn't, like then a, it didn't work. It didn't work. Uh, it worked to a certain point. Some right. people were saying majority of those who joined the sharing, um, they, they really loved it and they got some ideas. But for me, just getting an idea and just sitting down and discussing without any action afterwards is a waste of time. Right. Unless it's a philosophical topic that makes you actually, you know, grow in in a certain way, and that that is a different thing. So here we're talking about some, um, let's say, even that Rotary Youth Exchange. Right. Go and find out about it. Go and start your own couch surfing in Sakhalin. Not in, for the sake of couches, but for the sake of community and nothing ever rolled out of that and i'm not there to manage that development so it was not enough for me to stick to it Uh, there was no a person who would be like what the people i met in shanghai who said let's do this and let's do that those people in my hometown were like okay that's great to know and it's so interesting and it's so inspiring that's it right at that point so how does how did that make you feel? How did that change how your outlook on living overseas versus going home? At that point, I assume it was just a confirmation that I made the right choice to live abroad and to live in China because at the time when I came here, it was already quite popular, but not as popular as Europe or Canada or the US. So seeing how fast things are happening in China compared to Europe or Russia. I realize that it's just the place to be. Right. Are you Russian? What do you mean? By passport? 
I mean, I mean, <laughs> however you react to that, I notice a little I hesitation. I believe a, I'm a global citizen. Okay. And that's what my work has been all about for the last few years already. And that's what my mindset is about. And that's the family I'm in and I have chosen to be in. Um, I believe that we all are because we're all humans. You know, at some uh, there was a time when um, a lot of Chinese people would talk about, you know, where you're from and what it, what do you eat and you know, what are your traditions. And once I was just in the elevator and the Chinese man came in and he was like, okay, so where are you from? And I asked him, does it matter oh. in Chinese? And he's like, yeah, I mean, we're all different. So I was not rude, right? I was right. like in a nice way. And Chinese people love to talk. For those who live in China, they know I've actually that. never thought to, 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 to respond that way whenever <laughs> I get the question. I'm, how did it go? At that time, I got already fed up with that because right. I was working on the Global Competence Program. And it, those were my urgent questions, you know, in education and in life and in myself. And, and he said, yes, well, you know, we are all different. We are all, we have different customs, traditions, language. And said, yes, but we're all people in the end. And that was my uh, flaw already. So I just. Ah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wanted you to engage that guy. Yes. So uh, this is one way to answer your question. Yeah. Like, does it matter? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I asked, you know, I kind of full disclosure, one of my, uh, my previous girlfriend was Russian and I. I can't pretend that I know everything about Russian culture, but living with a Russian woman for three or more years is, is, um. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. It was a wonderful relationship. Okay, I value everything about it. I learned a lot and we're still mm -hmm. friends and it was fine. But, um, no, I say that because there's something about the Russian culture that is very interesting to me and not just because I grew up in the eighties and I'm a cold war kid. Right. <laughs> but you know, when I move overseas, when I moved overseas, I became more American. I became more mm -hmm. of a Boston guy, as you mm -hmm. can tell just by looking at what I'm wearing all the time. Mm -hmm. So when I, but one of the things I noticed about Russian culture and it makes for interesting expats is that there's mm -hmm. a certain kind of nationalism nationalism is a tough word to use because it has a negative connotation, yeah. but there is a, there is a very strong national identity with Russian people. Mm -hmm. You know, you came from this Island out in the Pacific. It's more Asia than China is. It's further yeah. East from here. Right. But then it also stretches this country all the way to Moscow mm -hmm. or St. Petersburg, you know, past the Urals. And you've got this huge swath of land yet you all do share a common language and a common culture. Right. But there's no contiguous population. You're all separated. But the, like, there's something about mm -hmm. the Russian culture that endures all of that. It survives and it permeates everything. Mm -hmm. But the people who move overseas, somehow, I mean, you would think that people wouldn't move overseas. You know what I mean? Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you've come from that kind of, but the people who do, I'm, I, it makes for a fascinating expat, a fascinating migrant. Mm -hmm. One of the things people, a lot of people don't realize is that Russia is both one of the largest producers of international migrants and hosts of international migrants. Really? Even yeah. hosts? Because of all the ex-Soviet republics. So oh, okay. That's so what it's many, Yes, but that's it's in true. The, but it's in the top mm -hmm. five of all yeah, countries. Yeah, that makes that, sense. Yes. Yeah, so... There are a lot of foreign people who live in Russia, yeah. and they're not all Slavs. You know, yeah. there's multicultural. But also, Russia produces one of the, one of the top countries that produces expats. Mm -hmm. 
So it's it's a fascinating dynamic. And and I asked, are you Russian? Because I understand that the people who are in Russia have this strong sense of identity that you don't exhibit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that as a dig. It's just, it's interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's just the way it is. I've been thinking about that for all my life, actually. I think ever since I went to Malaysia. Really? Um, because I did not... I mean, Russians don't naturally smile, right? As we know from the foreigners. <laughs> and when I was a kid, people knew me. They do in private. In private, right. So when I was a kid, my mom told me that people used to call me that girl that smiles all the time. Really? Yes. You are the second Russian person I interviewed who had that situation. This is not, okay. I'm starting to detect Interesting. a pattern. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's a pattern. Yeah. Um, Find the kids who smiles and those will be the expats. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so generally speaking, when I asked my friends from Sakhalin Island after the high school finished, what's your plan? Where are you going to go? And for me, it was always, of course, I'm going to Moscow. Well, one of the reasons my sister was already there studying. So it's also the it top universities kind of, are in Moscow. Yes, yeah. and it was something amazing to do because you come from such a faraway place in your own country. And my friends, my a lot of my school friends were like, "I'm going to stay here." A lot, not all, but majority. Like for me, it was like, "Why? Why would you? You know, you can come back here anytime." And for them, it was like, "Why would you leave? It's your home." So I never had that feeling. Mm -hmm. And it might be because my mom is from Volga and she also migrated to Sakhalin Island. You know, Volga is much closer to Europe yeah. than Sakhalin Island. My dad is from Ukraine. And um, that might be the reason why for me it had not, had always been like, yes, I'm Russian, mm -hmm. but I'm more of a global citizen sure. Russian than, you know, Russian Russian. I think maybe what it is, and you're making me think of this now, is that there's new, there, you are Russian and there's no difference between the Russians who go out and the Russians who stay. I think maybe just that the culture in Russia doesn't have space for you. Maybe that's what it is. It doesn't make space for you. To be fair, we don't really have space for us, you know, those of us who live overseas in What America. do you mean by space? An acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. Validity. We don't have that in America either, really. But I feel like the effect of that would be more severe in Russia. Maybe. Yes. Like if you take my online school, I already gave an example. Mm -hmm. I opened the website. I sent it around to people I know. Can you give me feedback? There was no feedback. I do the same thing in Shanghai. And it's like, let's meet and, and get a, into a cooperation together. And, and help, I help you develop your business. That's a huge difference. Now, is it does Russia does a person living in Russia, especially if you're Russian, do you have more opportunities in Russia than you do in Shanghai? In a certain way, yes, because it's your home country. You don't need to worry about visa or a lot of legal issues that you might worry about in China. At the same time, what I wanted to do could be easily developed in Russia. But the bigger picture, I knew it, the online school would not be my dream profession, my dream occupation for the rest of my life or for the, for the coming 10 years. It was just a transitional period and I loved doing it. But then do I have more opportunities with what I want to develop, which are things like global competence and educators community internationally? 
is what I would like to do. In Russia, it would be mostly locally, right? So for what I want to do, there are more, there is more space, as you mentioned, uh, outside mm-hmm. of Russia. But I do want to do more pro- projects with Russia as well. In fact, my sister has switched from accountant and account, not really accountant, but an accounting position to education. So whatever I'm doing here, I'm going to slowly start through my sister in Moscow. And I already started in Uganda with other educators. So it is growing and I hope Russia will get involved much more. That's great. I think I might have been projecting a little bit because I, I'm always looking for differences and contrast, right? Mm -hmm. So, but when I'm looking for differences, I end up finding things that are the same. Yeah. So as I'm talking to you and I'm I'm thinking about the dynamics between Russian migrants going out and the Russians who stay home, I find myself describing something that is very similar to what happens in America. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, the Americans who live overseas, we're not really counted for much. We're not listened to. We're, well, it's partially mm-hmm. because we're not active in our politics. But, you know, media doesn't pay attention to us. Politicians don't pay mm-hmm. attention to us. The culture doesn't acknowledge us. It's just, you know, it's the same thing. So I guess I was projecting and looking for you to give me some answers that really apply to me. I see. Yes. Well, you're not getting them. (laughs) (laughs) A little reverse psychology on myself Yes, yes. Good. You're aware. I know. I'm so good at this. I'm fooling myself. (laughs) So since you've been here, you've been involved in this education stuff, which is really great. And I know you've been, that's something you've been working on for a long time. So that's very much who you are. But you've also recently become part of a legal couple. You got married to someone who's not Russian. Yes. So I'm interested in the dynamic. So I've talked to a couple of people who are newly married. I've also talked to a couple of people who are been married for a long time. Okay. And I'm interested in how that affects where you see yourself and where you see yourself going. So you have a multicultural Marriage. Your mm-hmm. husband is from Argentina, right? Yes. Yeah. You're from Russia and you live in China. Yes. How many weddings did you have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can get very expensive. Yes. I know people who have had four. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, we don't really have big families and we decided to do what we want to do. And we picked a place where we would love to have this ceremony for ourselves. We did invite everyone we wanted to be there. We had um, a limit of people in the end, but of course we knew not everybody would be able to make it, but even if they could, we would find a way to make it work. This is the, so, stra- this is the strategy. You, 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 you take a place, <laughs> you invite a thousand people. So and nobody gets, can make it. <laughs> only 10 people show up. It's great. So this was one of the feedbacks we got when we were inviting people, like, why did you pick that place? And the answer was always because we want to. It was not because we would love to have everyone right. at the wedding, but uh, it was mainly for us. Where and was it, it? It was in Mauritius. The Mauritius one. Wow. Yes, Mauritius Island in the middle between Argentina and Russia. And you don't, it doesn't require a visa for Argentinians or Russians or Ukrainians. So. Mm, These are it, things that most people who are not migrants, don't understand. There are just logistical factors. I mean, the fact that you picked a place to have a wedding, and one of the reasons it's so perfect is because 
all the people who might come don't need visas. I mean, that's just, you know, <laughs> yeah. how many people exactly. in their home countries think, oh, I have to think about visas. You know? To go to a wedding. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yes, so we had to think about that. And we're kind of used to it living in China. Mm-hmm. Our main objective was to have the best day that celebrates our love. And we picked the place we wanted And that was very difficult later at a point when people ask, why did you pick that place and why couldn't you do it in Russia or Argentina or China or somewhere closer just so we can make it? And to answer to them, just because we want to. It's your special day. Yes, and it's not what people normally do because if you look at weddings in Russia, they are for relatives. You look at weddings anywhere, they're They're for for relatives. It's for the people. All over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just came back from a friend's wedding. The wedding is really, it's for everyone else. I mean, she had a good time, but it's really about servicing everybody. She was literally a prop the whole night. Come take a picture with me. Take a picture with me. Be over here. Be over here. Exactly. And what we had is everything we wanted. That's great. From com- communication, conversations, drinks, dancing, the beach. And the beach, that's important. Yes. Beach wedding. So. so how did you meet this Argentinian? Through common friends. Through common friends. Yes. He's also a Shanghai person. You, you live here. You met him here? Yes. He had been living here for a couple of years by the time we met. And you've been in Shanghai the whole time you've lived overseas, right? Yes. Except except for the time in Malaysia. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys plan on staying here? We do. Yeah? Yes. For now, we love China. Yeah. For, I mean, the language has always fascinated me personally. He is also learning Chinese. And all the opportunities we have here in the economy, those factors, they put China above other countries at the moment. For the coming... I don't know, three, five years, and then we'll see. Yeah. 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 I, my, my wife and I, we are kind of at this point where we've realized we're going to be overseas for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. which is interesting to say because I've been overseas for 10 years. <laughs> she's been overseas. She's been in China for over four and overseas in some capacity for, you know, eight. Yeah. And uh, seven or eight. And, but she just kind of, st- she's in this new career mm-hmm. and, she's at the point where she's about to start her, she's looking for her next posting and it's kind of like, okay, we're going to be doing this for a while. Yes, exactly. This is what we're going to be. It kind of grows on you. It does grow on you, but I wonder, (laughs) sometimes I wonder about that. Are we doing it because we're here or are we doing it because we want to? You know what I mean? Like if you're at home and I've talked about this a little bit with people, when you're in your home country, you kind of have your life not planned out for you, but there are, cultural touchstones. There are common landmarks that are laid mm-hmm. out for you in your life that everyone does. This is when you get a job. This is how you do a relationship. Yeah. This is when you get married. And this is what you do after you're married. This is, you know, there is kind of a common progression. Expectations, Expectations mm-hmm. is a way to put it. I think of it more as kind of like pa- a path that's laid out that mm-hmm. everyone else has walked and that's the way everyone else should walk. Yeah. But when we're overseas, we're making our own path. There's We don't have these cultural markers that are common to everyone so i'm always interested about how people think about you know their future like their pathway Mm -hmm. what who what are you looking towards when you think about what i want to do in three to five years and i'm not talking about professionally i'm just talking about with your life how do you want to be fulfilled what's what's what are you looking for well that's the right word fulfillment 
because without all those cultural circumstances that would be there in your own country or expectations for me it's more expectation maybe it also comes from chinese society because there are a lot of them here for chinese people and also in russia it might be a little bit more of an expectation in russia yeah. as well yes luckily um for me it's been a little bit you should have three kids harsh. by now i should definitely yeah. and yeah and a dog and a cat and <laughs> a house and all that and a mortgage yeah but um it all comes back to choices right fulfillment if, if what we do in my new family we look at it as making our own making our own choices not based on my culture or his culture based on what kind of person i am and what kind of person he is it's also a bit different between us because you guys are from uh, the same country we are from a different country right in your couple you're both oh, from the us oh that's right yeah yeah we are from different countries, but we're, so, we're but my wife and I. I mean, we are from a different, the, the same country, mm-hmm. but we're from opposite sides of the country. So we, okay. do, we have some cultural difference, but it's not as pronounced as yours, obviously. And it's also you have one huge connecting point is you kind of have a place to go back to, and it's the same place. Yes, if you choose to. Yeah. For us, it's not the same place. Right. If we choose to, and the other point is. What are we going to do if we go back to our original countries together? What is the other person going to do? Is it fair to the other person? And we think it's not really. So we take it as our um, benefit, you would say, that we're both from different countries. So that we, we would always choose to live in a third country. And I know a lot of couples don't do that, but that was the choice that we made and we agreed on. It might change in the future. We don't know. But living in a third country allows us to both be in the same situation, mm-hmm. both adapt and contribute and do everything that's necessary to, to keep on creating who we are and what we are and what our family stands for. Not being um, kind of backed up by anything, but also not being dragged by anything in the directions we might not want to go. So it all goes back to who I am and who are you individually and what do we want to create together. It's a it's a real two-sided coin because on one on the one hand you have incredible amount of freedom just in mm-hmm. terms of the options ahead of you. There there's no there's no constraints. There because yeah. you don't have those cultural markers kind of hemming you in or bringing you along a set path, you can do whatever you want. Right. And you can go wherever you want, and you're aware of that, and that's really empowering. On the other hand, because you don't have those cultural markers, because you don't have that path laid out for you, it's really overwhelming. It and is. it can be confusing. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to do now? I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we kind of have to lean on each other in our community. Yeah. And our community of fellow migrants. Mm-hmm. And I've been... Since I've been married, uh, or since I've even just been together with my, my amazing wife, you know, we've recently started hanging out with other couples. Mm-hmm. And it's not something we did a lot before, uh, because my wife was very busy. She's working a job, taking, you know, going to school, and it was, we didn't have a lot of time for it. But as we're hanging out with other couples, I'm finding a lot of affirmation that I never knew was there. And it's almost like I've just moved overseas again. Like when I moved right. overseas for the first time, I connected with, 
people in the community, fellow migrants, and there was mm-hmm. a lot of affirmation. Oh, we're all going through this thing together. Yes. None of us know what the hell we're doing, but we yep. all don't know what the hell we're doing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of having the same kind of feeling when we, whenever we hang out with another married couple. Right. It's like, we don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but we're glad that you don't either. Yeah. yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Nobody really knows. Yeah. And maybe that's why there is much more much bigger sense of accountability on each of us, whoever makes a choice to be with the other person from another country or the same country in another country. Yeah. Because you know that if things are not really going well, then it's also on you. You cannot blame anyone or anything. No timelines when you had to get married or had to have kids. It's just your choice. Right. And your judgment. Yeah. So... You are together. You are going to stay here in Shanghai for a while. You're figuring things out as you go. What is next for you professionally? It's to continue to de- develop my project uh, on education. Education. That this is, is called Edu Matters. Edu Matters. Yes, this because education matters. Ed- it- it, that's what they tell me. So, <laughs> I mean, you should know. That's what they told me in school before I dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. That's why we do it. So, talking doesn't work. Well, I don't usually ask people about their work very much on this podcast mm-hmm. because it's what we do is rarely an expression of who we are. I mean, it is sometimes, but a lot of people, the job is what you do, right? Like, I yeah. have a job and, you know, I'm. I'm really into marketing and PR mm-hmm. and stuff. And so that's where I work and that's great. But I'm not, what you're doing is really an, an expression of kind of what we're looking for in our community. We're looking for people mm-hmm. who connect us. We're looking for ways to come together and figure out what works for us as a cohort uh, of international exactly. migrants. And what you're doing is very interesting because you're developing these, uh, you're developing programs and curricula and events where teachers come together to share ideas, right? Am I, am I, to do share I best this? practices. Best practices. Yeah, based on, well, the best practices from themselves and also we cover a lot of research in education. So you have no, like in America, I only can speak of America, that's what I know, mm-hmm. but like there are teacher unions and, you know, that's a labor relations thing, but a lot of those unions, they facilitate education, professional development, and they, there are groups that have seminars and, and symposiums on how to, you know, the development of the field of education. Mm-hmm. And I don't know there's a lot of that overseas. Well, there are a lot of trainings for public school teachers in China, for example. Right, right. The question is not how many they are. The question is what is being done in those trainings and... And now, are these people focused just on the Chinese public school teachers? I mean, what yes. about the international school teachers? No, international schools, not really. This is what's so interesting to me is yeah. because the international school teachers, which I'm just learning, these are very highly qualified people. Yes. A, a lot, most of them, a lot of them. I mean, mm-hmm. some of these top schools, you've got to be really good to be a teacher. Exactly. And I haven't noticed a lot granted i'm not a teacher i'm looking at it from the outside Mm -hmm. but i don't notice a lot of opportunity for teachers to come together and kind of build community support each other and develop themselves professionally together yeah i guess it comes from a long time ago when teachers had a lot of work to do and it still is the situation now it's one of those professions that nobody really values yeah 
or um, acknowledges in a way. And it just starting to get there very slowly nowadays in some respect. So this is exactly why I'm doing what I'm doing. This community for educators, it's not only for teachers. It's also for people who work in administration in schools, parents' relationships, HR, accountants in schools. They all have to do with education in one way or another. Principals, they have a whole school on their shoulders and they have too much sometimes. So how do those people sometimes take their head out of all the issues that are running in the classroom or in the meeting room and actually keep their mind on what's most important. What are the trends in education? Where is the whole world going? What's going to happen in 10, 20 years? What kind of jobs are going to exist? Nobody knows the answers to those questions, of course, but there are some predictions and the curriculum needs to be changed according to that, and it is not. Right, you need to prepare teachers for the changes that are coming. In a way, yes, because through this kind of support and community, this is why community is the base for anything. We are we, we like to support each other naturally. And when we are in the same field and we are talking about the same thing and it's backed up by data and research and best practices, we can do much more together than one person can do. I mean, one person can do some great things. Many people together can do amazing things. Right. So bringing educators together from all the fields of education, whoever is connected to education, especially this new trend for younger professionals switching from other professions to educational professions, bringing all those people together and giving them a platform to discuss and to talk and to learn as well, because naturally we don't have time for reading especially research papers or updates in education. And there has just been... Um, you also need someone to, to put all that stuff into context for you. Reading, exactly. Reading a research yes. paper doesn't really do much if someone isn't showing you how it works. Yeah, right. And then you have to find a way to actually apply everything you've learned. And that's what we do. In a way, that's just one of the things we do. But the main point is to connect people. Connect educators. Well, I'm. I think what you're doing is very exciting. We've talked a little bit about it offline because it's Thank like, you. like I said, it's it's really connect. Like the, the 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 community of international teachers, it's kind of siloed. You know, like I said, in America, yeah. which I know we have these unions and teachers are connected and through school districts usually, and mm -hmm. sometimes throughout a state. Well, there are no school districts here. International schools are all these individual yeah. islands, and people kind of work in them, but they need to be able to connect to augment what they're doing and, and find support and get better. Exactly. And I think what you're doing is really powerful, and I, I'm excited to see where it goes. And I hope you'll come back and tell us more about it. Me too. I'm looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Mike. Well, there you have it. Thanks again to Margarita for taking time out of her schedule to sit down with me. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please do reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at ZAX2000. I'm also available by email. It's mike.shaw at migrationmedia.net. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.